Did you miss me? Because I got some catching up to do. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, pals, Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here for your March 11th NXT review, and let's, uh, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way first. I wasn't here last week. Nothing, nothing's wrong, nothing to worry about, nothing, everything's cool with me. I, uh, I just got my ass handed to me at work last week, because we had a whole lot of people away, and I was really, really run down. I had, if you believe it, I had about half the show written up in notes, and I just got to that point in the show last week, which was disappointing, because it was, uh, it was a really decent show, and I just, I just didn't have it in me. I just put my book down, and, uh, and I made that call. Um... It is unfortunate because there was a bunch of cool stuff that happened and I'm going to sort of like sort of tease over it in a second when we talk about that video package that they always do. But uh foregoing the typical the um why can't I think of words tonight? The typical house cleaning stuff, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, go find me in a podcast form. If you're listening in a podcast form, go find me on YouTube at Spaz Phoenix, find me on Facebook at the Spaz Phoenix podcast group, find me on Twitter at uh, at Spaz Phoenix 1, find me on Instagram at Spaz Phoenix. I uh, don't really want to focus on that too much now that I've just done it all. I want to send two quick shout-outs to uh other people in our wrestling community. First and foremost, shout out to OK Fabe, uh, who joined me late Friday night for a recording leading up into the Elimination Chamber. Now, I don't talk about a lot of main roster stuff on the channel, as you guys know, and I wasn't expecting very much from Elimination Chamber, so when I got in touch with OK Fabe and said, hey, basically, do you want to make fun of this show with me before it happens? Uh, and we hopped on and we kind of did that, which is cool for a lot of reasons. For people that have been watching for a long time, OK Fabe was the one that helped me start the pay-per-view preview series before he went off and did his own thing, and uh, I was lucky enough to have people like Kristen and Guapo and more recently Jake DeMarco join me, join me for those kind of things. Uh, but it's been ages since, uh, since I've had Connor on this channel. Now, it's not entirely in time anymore because it was previewing the Elimination Chamber, but we did sort of use the Elimination Chamber to jump off into a whole lot of other issues. We went over Eric Rowan's spider, for instance, and, and thoughts on that, but more, uh, more positively, some stuff towards uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania season, etc. And I'm, I'm going to tell you at the end of this video why I'm really, really excited with how TakeOver Tampa is... Uh, is sort of shaping up. Uh, I'm not really going to touch on the whole like cancellation news thing this week. You know, we're going to hear from the Tampa Bay uh, government whether or not the coronavirus issue is going to, you know, possibly lead to the cancellation of WrestleMania, which, uh, in wrestling terms, is sort of an earth-shattering possibility. I don't really want to get into that because it's really a bummer, and I've heard a lot of people that have even mentioned the uh, the COVID-19 on their channel have had their videos taken down for even mentioning it, so we'll, we'll just see how that goes, but um, it is it is positive. It is, it is, it is, um, I'm really looking forward to this particular takeover. If everything happens on this takeover that I think is happening on this takeover, it's going to be really good. And the stuff we're getting at WrestleMania, uh, the way I put it last week was even the stuff that's not particularly for me still feels big. And on a more let's grab everybody in the community point of view, uh, that's good. That's still... Like, even if you don't, per se, like Roman Reigns Goldberg, and I get all the reasons why people don't like Roman Reigns Goldberg, you can't take that I don't like it and turn it into it's not a big match. And there's a lot of, like, Edge Orton, uh, AJ Styles, Undertaker, there's a lot of things that are like that. And um, sitting down with Connor uh, after not talking to him on this channel for so long, we did get to cover a bunch of those things as well as sort of make fun of the Elimination Chamber. So I really do... For anybody that's not familiar with OK Fabe, go uh, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram. I think he's got his own website as well. Check him out. He's a really good dude. He does a lot of really cool shit. He's also on the Fight Network with the OK Fabe show. If you're not familiar, you need to go get familiar, and he knows way more about what he's talking about than I do. Let's be real. Speaking of people who know way more about what they're talking about than I do, I do want to send a heartfelt shout-out to my buddy Jake DeMarco, who recently has been sort of my NXT TakeOver guy. Um, 
most people know it's pretty it's pretty prominent news within our social circles on on Twitter etc uh, you know especially with the JCS army and all that sort of thing we know that he went in and had a bunch of medical stuff done that I can't describe to you because I don't fully understand it myself I did get a chance to talk to him the other day sounds like he's in really good spirits he, he's on the mend so to speak so if you have any any sort of good feeling good vibes you want to share out into the world go uh go follow him at countdown ended and and send him some love because he really deserves it he's a really good dude go back to any of the nxt previews that have done recently with him and he's just uh he's brought another element to this channel as well so uh i'm i'm really a lucky guy at the end of the day um as I say, um, my week last week kind of kicked me in the ass, but it did get me a chance to look back on things and work with somebody like Connor and look at the other people that I get a chance to work with, like Jake, like Guapo, who's become my AEW guy, like Kristen, who's on her wrestling hiatus right now, but hopefully we get her back, you know, eventually leading into WrestleMania, etc. Don't go and bug her about it. That's not what I'm saying. So, um... Big shout out to Connor, thanks for joining me uh, this past weekend. Big shout out to Jake DeMarco, hope we, we get you back on here in time for TakeOver Tampa. Two really good dudes that you really need to go check out. Apparently Jake's going to be putting out more content on his channel soon, so go find him, Countdown Ended. He's a really good dude, and I hope he's doing well, and Connor's just okay fabe and awesome and lent some of his time to this channel and i've rambled far far long enough on that as i say find me in you in uh, podcast form if you want find me on youtube form if you want come bug me on social media at spaz phoenix or at spaz phoenix one it's all good um we're live in the pc tonight for nxt i don't remember i remember hearing about this at the time about three weeks ago when they announced that it was going to be in the pc simply because full sail um, Full Sail University, their athletic building was being used for something else. I, it was like pre-booked or whatever. So they did this thing live in the PC, and uh, as I said to a couple people on Twitter, I thought this was going to have like a really, really low-key, like a house show feeling, and it really didn't. It really, I mean, it was different, obviously. The stage setup was a little bit different. The, uh, the crowd setup was done in a very portable, like, bleacher kind of way. But it also was really cool, because when you, he when you heard the crowd get going... I'm sorry, if you've ever been at a at a at an event with uh, portable bleachers, they move. They move when the crowd moves. It adds to the noise. It's just it's a little bit different. The building's a little bit different. The building had a different vibe. It was really cool. And also, the other thing I didn't mention, um, not doing last week's show, was the fact that they kept in storyline with what Randy Orton did to Beth Phoenix, and Beth Phoenix wasn't on commentary that week. So to have her back being gone one week, which was really noticeable and really awesome. Uh, Beth Phoenix was back on commentary, but we did do the typical preview uh, of basically this is what you missed last week, and it's as good a chance as any for me to talk about what I missed last week by not talking to you guys. We started off with the cage match from uh, from Kai and Knox, which was, I mean, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox are just good, aren't they? They they did the the no-holds-barred match at the last takeover, and it was way better than anybody thought it was going to be. The reveal of Raquel Gonzalez left a little something to be desired, the table spot that wasn't quite right, whatever. This cage match is really good, and it was really... It was on them to make their match unique so that the other cage match at the end of the night would be just as unique. And the way they did the finish with Raquel Gonzalez uh, blocking the door, blocking the ref against the door at one point, also uh, Tegan Knox sh uh, shutting the door on Dakota Kai's leg calling back to what happened at War Games last year was a nice touch. And then the way Raquel Gonzalez didn't block her from coming down, she just sort of sandwiched her in the door on the outside. Now that's not earth shattering, it's not breathtaking by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something a little different. It's something I don't think that I've ever personally seen in a cage match. I'm sure there are people out there, like walking encyclopedias, that have probably said, "Oh, you know, Frank Gotch and so and so did that back in the 1920s." I, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. It was good, and I think these girls are good. Um, the, the unfortunate thing about Kai and Knox at the moment is they don't have matches with anybody else like they have with each other, and that's sort of cool in a way. But you don't want to get to a Gargano Champa situation, which we're going to talk about later on, where they feel like they're doing something weird unless they're fighting each other. That that's dangerous, but it's still good at the moment. Um, we also had it announced that, um, uh, that ladder match, um, the ladder match that's going to take place at TakeOver, sorry, I have bullet points instead of actual notes, so I'm sort of pulling some of this out of my ass. The first qualifying match for that ladder match, uh, at TakeOver happened between Chelsea Green and Shotzi Blackheart, and my little heart, 
my little heart, and I'm even wearing green, sort of, it's dark green, you can't really tell, but whatever. My little my little green heart sort of shattered a little bit because they put Chelsea Green over Shotzi Blackheart, and uh, it ain't right. We had a really, really awkward promo between uh, Cameron Grimes and Keith Lee. I like Keith Lee, but it's not because of his promos, let's just say that. And Cameron Grimes is just weird. Uh, really, really unexpected banger of a match between Austin Theory and Isaiah Swerve Scott. And then we had the Strong and Dream match at the end of the night with the gigantic swerve that Dream literally threw Strong out of the out of the ring, out of the cage, sacrificing the match for the sake of getting the other Undisputed Era members out of the cage and getting his hands on Adam Cole, which is his real goal. That rhymed. Didn't even mean to. Moving on. Uh, we're going to touch on that again later tonight because they followed up on that pretty good, but I thought that's just fucking brilliant, isn't it? Why would you, why would you, if you were on the main roster, for example, and yes, I know, that's a, that's a, belligerent comparison. Uh, if you had sort of the U.S. title and you got taken out, say they had actually taken the belt off of Andrade when they did the injury angle to cover up for him going on a, on a drug break for 30 days, um, I would want to think that he would come back full of more piss and vinegar and less drugs and want to go for the main title. I'm an asshole. It's fine. Um, and go for the main title. Like, why would I, why would I come back 30 days later to start off right where I left off to go for something bigger? So, to dilute the Undisputed Era into thinking that he was going to be satisfied just with Roderick Strong and not not go for something else because he couldn't get his belt back from Roderick Strong. That was the thing that was the thing that sort of perplexed me about the whole storyline. He was the North American champion. Roderick Strong stole that from him by virtue of, you know, the fact that he was injured and, and whatnot and 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 that whole thing. He wanted to get the belt from Roderick Strong and he couldn't do it because Roderick Strong's not the champion anymore. He can't take that out on Keith Lee because Keith Lee has nothing to do with this story. So why would he still go for Dream? What is the point? He was the one that didn't have a belt anymore. So to use Roderick Strong and the fact that Adam Cole would want to back him up as a way to get Adam Cole, everybody else hated it. I thought it was fucking brilliant. Me, personally. Um, and that's, that's just where we went off. And... Uh, you know, we followed up on other things. There was video packages, etc., like there always is. Um, not going to lie, I can talk about those in this week's episode, and we don't really have to go over them. We started off with Keith Lee versus Cameron Grimes that came out of that horrible promo from last week where they were just... And I, I don't like Cameron Grimes, right? This is the thing, like, he he's very much in the... Like, I, I recognize it's, it's very much the Dominic Dijakovic. It's very much the Forgotten Sons. Uh... I, I very much acknowledge that these guys are competent wrestlers, great fucking athletes. They wouldn't be there if they weren't. Just even if you're an AEW fan, they don't bring in people that actually suck. They just bring in people sometimes, occasionally, that I don't care about. There's a match tonight that I'm not really going to talk about that much because I didn't care. Um, Cameron Grimes is is one of those people, but Keith Lee, like I said, his he didn't hold up his end of that promo either. It just made me like, uh, okay. I know they've built up this huge, gigantic collection of all of a sudden these are the mid-carders around him. Cameron Grimes, I said it the other week with you guys, who do you want to see him fight? Cameron Grimes, Dominic Dijakovic, again, uh, Killian Dane, Damian Priest. Um, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that haven't really had a kick at the cat yet either that aren't even being brought up in that scenario, but they sort of built, in a couple of weeks, they sort of built the NXT North American title division, if, if that makes sense. And Cameron, Cameron Grimes ain't it. I'm just putting that out there. But a lot of stalling by Grimes to start the match. Lee tosses, um, Lee tosses back this kick attempt, and then he gets him. He gets, he tries to kick him. I'm sorry, my words are failing me tonight. You're gonna have to bear with me a little bit. He goes for this kick. It's blocked by Lee. Uh, he spins him around into a waist lock, into a toss. What I wanted so bad was what they, what the, what the guys on What Culture talked about. I wanted. Uh, Cameron Grimes to try a cave-in and to just bounce off Keith Lee because he's that much bigger. We didn't quite get that, at least not as much as I wanted to see it. Double choke by Lee, followed by the Grizzly Magnum. Forearm by Grimes was tossed out by Lee. A boot by Grimes, a penalty kick, and a stomp to the face. I will say there was a bunch of times that Cameron Grimes went for some kind of dive and and Lee just caught him and tried to turn it into a powerbomb, and it never quite became a powerbomb. They, they went back to that a couple of times. Uh, I'm gonna hit you with high impact. No, I'm gonna beat you with strength. Okay, I'll just fuck with you some way. And there's one, there's one particular stomp to the face that they did on the apron that was particularly good. The suicide dive was blocked by Lee again, and they focus. For God's sake, remember Cameron Grimes, Kushida, 
closer to when we were getting to know these characters. Yes, I know, Kushida's big, huge Japan. I don't care. I don't watch New Japan. It's fine. So they're both new to me. And, and Cameron Grimes, who is somebody else before he was Cameron Grimes, is big in other places, and I don't care because I don't watch them either. New to me, Kushida, Cameron Grimes, they had a big fight over the hat. And everybody was like, this is fucking dumb. Why are they fighting over a hat? Well, the hat got knocked off the turnbuckle. And everybody, even the commentators, were like, oh my god, treating it like this big thing. But treating it like it was Rowan's spider all over again. Didn't, didn't quite like that. Didn't quite like that because Keith Lee doesn't deserve to be in a, in a corny spot like that. Let alone Keith Lee, the North American champion, does not deserve to be in a, in a shitty little corny spot like that. But... Top rope crossbody by Grimes, grounded by a neck vice, body blows by Lee, and a corner splash toss into the ring. Anaconda submission by Grimes was kind of cool, but he doesn't look like he ever really got it, because it looks like he tried to put the, can the Anaconda submission on him and then realized, oh shit, my opponent is a lot bigger than me. Uh, also, I was watching him try to put that on in the picture-in-picture, picture, so the visual wasn't the greatest. Uh, boot by Grimes, forearm, super kick, and a German suplex. And yes... Even though I can't stand Cameron Grimes, I don't really want him on my TV, I will acknowledge that the the physical feat of hitting a snap German suplex on Keith fucking Lee is amazing. So kudos to him for that. Tornado DDT by Grimes followed by a super kick, but a pounce and a big bang catastrophe get the win for Keith Lee. To absolutely nobody's surprise, including mine, to my elation, because if they, they took the belt off him this soon... <coughs> Even if it was somebody I liked, I wouldn't want them to take the belt off Keith Lee this soon. If they took him off Keith Lee this soon, put it on Cameron Grimes, I just would have given up on that belt. Let's be real for a second. But what got even better for me is who else can I not stand other than Cameron Grimes? Is also Dominic Dijakovic because he, he, he's white toast as well, is he not? I, I don't care. They had great matches. I, I give them all the credit in the world for that, but I don't care about Dijak. So, when Damian Priest came back with that nightstick that he attacked Dijakovic with a couple weeks ago and started beating down Keith Lee, I, I got excited because Damian Priest was one of the ones I wanted to see. It was either Damian Priest or Killian Dane for me, had to be the next big contender. And if, it looks like it's going to be Damian Priest because it looks like they're putting the rocket on that guy. They're putting the rocket on Damian Priest, they're putting the rocket on Austin Theory. Those are two picks that I love. When they were putting it on Cameron Grimes, I was like, no. No, not so much. But the thing about this that's great is he hit him from behind, and he kept on hitting him from behind, and he kept on hitting him from behind. And so Keith Lee was face down receiving this, like, post-match assault, and then Dominic Dijakovic comes and makes the save, gets rid of of Damian Priest and his, and his little billy club thing, and then he goes to help up Keith Lee, but he picks up the belt first. So all Keith Lee sees when he gets up from being attacked is Dijak holding his belt so I guess the story is he thinks that Dijak attacked him he hits him with the spirit bomb for reasons get the fuck out of my ring you're not getting another title shot that is fucking wonderful now it's going to get played off as a misunderstanding they're going to be buddies again they're both going to go after Priest and I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit but in the moment just seeing Dominic Dijakovic come down to try and be the good guy and still getting dropped on his face by the other good guy is fucking great because I don't I don't like him and I do like Damian Priest. Damian Priest is a cool gimmick. I've said for ages since since back when they first debuted his gimmick and I thought it was just a really cool Brandon Crow playoff to now when I've seen him have the amount of matches that I've seen him have, I really want to see what he can do against a big gigantic opponent like Keith Lee. It's going to be really really good. Now do I want to see them throw Killian Dane in and make it a triple threat match? No, I do not want to see them throw in Killian Dane and make it a triple threat match because we are going to get a little bit of multi-man match overload at TakeOver. We've already got the ladder match. That's fine. We've got a tag team title match coming up that we'll talk about later. That's fine. Let's leave everything else as one-on-one -on -one matches because triple threat matches, especially in WWE, I mean... I can make the comparison to AEW, but even that's get, that's getting tired even coming out of my mouth. Um, Multi-man matches, more and more and more, as I watch more and more and more wrestling, just feel like we couldn't pick which contender we wanted to go with, so we threw them both in there. And I don't want it to feel that way. Unless you've got a organic story about how all three people got there, uh, I don't want to see multi-person matches. Tag team matches are a different thing, because it's for a tag team title. Ladder matches are just a whole lot more fun when there's more than one person. That's that's the the hindsight of Money in the Bank being a thing. I wouldn't have minded the women's match that we're getting at TakeOver have been a tournament, and then the last match of that tournament is a one-on-one -on -one ladder match, but then they don't have anything to crawl for and, and all that sort of thing. And I really don't want them to just make 
an NXT version of the Money in the Bank briefcase. I want them to have something that's their own. Like, WWE has cage matches and cell matches and chamber matches and whatever, and NXT, NXT, not AEW, NXT, has war games. That's their thing. Now, it's being ripped off by other people, that's fine, but they didn't just say, okay, NXT's gonna have a Hell in a Cell match, okay, or NXT's gonna have a chamber, or NXT's gonna have a random cage match because they put that on weekly television. They didn't They didn't go as far as to do something silly, like putting war games on a weekly episodic television show. I'm just, I'm just gonna throw that out there for no particular reason whatsoever. Blood and Guts is a stupid name for a match. But I guess when you can't get the original, you got to do with what you can, eh, Cody? Yeah. Anyways, speaking of that ladder match we have coming up at TakeOver Tampa, I'm I, I'm in a mood tonight. I think that's what's happening there. The second qualifying match for that ladder match was Mia Yim versus Dakota Kai. Now, last week, I had my heart ripped out, like I said, because Shotzi Blackheart should be in that ladder match. I'm just, I don't, I'm not even necessarily saying she has to win, but she should be in that match. Uh, listen to the response she got at the Royal Rumble. Moving on. So, I was very biased in that match last week when I was watching it. I was very biased even last week when I was writing the notes for that match because I, I had some things to say. But it's a week ago, and those thoughts are outdated, and it is what it is. Mia Yim versus Dakota Kai is a different kind of conflict for me because Mia Yim is somebody that I personally like. I think she's a lot of fun. I've said a million times on this channel, I think she's the urban leader for this generation. Um, not necessarily the best in the ring, I'll give her that. But, but Dakota Kai is the character in NXT that is most intriguing right now in the women's division. And I say that for the minute because Rhea Ripley kind of exists in a sphere on her own right now. She's not going to have anything to do with TakeOver. She's fighting somebody from the main roster. She's fighting on WrestleMania, not at TakeOver. So when I say Dakota Kai is one of the most interesting people in the division, obviously it's, you know, keeping Rhea Ripley out of that conversation, let's be clear. So, the one that makes the most sense to win is Dakota Kai. The one that I really wanted to win was Mia Yim. So, let's go with what we go with what we go with here. Uh, quick pinning reversal sequence to start after Dakota Kai fails to start the match with a kick, which is nice. Slap by Kai. A beel toss across the ring by Yim. A series of kicks. Why can I not read my writing tonight? Everything's... Seriously. I didn't even start my Siri or anything. Let's let's just stop that right now. Sorry, I'm still not sure about that. Fuck it, I'm leaving that in. Uh, series of strikes and a reverse chop block. Low drop kick by Yim. Some mounted punches are going to corner boot. Yim attacks Kai's bad knee, which is great. There's a cheap attack on the outside by Reina Gonzalez. And we go to the commercial break because it wasn't pitcher in pitcher. I don't know what happened, but whatever. Boot by Kai and a snake eyes and a scissor kick by Yim. Or, sorry, boot by Kai, a snake eyes and a scissor kick. And then followed up by a boot by Yim as we come back from the commercial break. Neckbreaker by Yim. A cannonball in the corner. Both women exchange. Rebound for... We had this really wicked spot where they ran into each other in the center. One would rebound off, hit an elbow. The other one would rebound back and hit an elbow. It was a, it was a really... As usual, I'm doing a really shit job of explaining it, but it was a really nice spot. What I don't like is that Dakota Kai hit the chiropractor, which is an awesome move, and it only it only amounted to a near fall. Haluva kick attempt gets reversed into a powerbomb by Yim, which is fine, except Gonzalez breaks up the pin. Recoil by Yim gets the win after the referee spends a bunch of time yelling at Reina Gonzalez. A distraction that should get Dakota, if you follow logic, should get Dakota Kai the win, but really what it did was it meant that Dakota Kai went for a pin that was missed, and uh, while she was upset about that, she got I don't know what the, I don't know what Mia Yim is calling it because she's not using eat defeat anymore. She's using the recoil like Ricochet does. Uh, but she gets the win. Yim qualifies for takeover, and there's a post match beatdown by Gonzalez and Kai, and their bullying thing just keeps going on. I love this idea that uh, that Dakota Kai is just going through all the people that that fucked with her on the way to. Um, on the way to what the hell was that show called? War Games. The one that I was just making fun of a second ago. It's going to eventually lead up to, I think, a mid-card feud between Dakota Kai and Bianca Belair. And I am completely down for that. Dakota Kai is the one I'm pulling for. Obviously, Reina Gonzalez is going to factor heavily into that, and that's fine. 
we go to the back and we see Tommaso Ciampa arriving at the PC. And that's that's it. They just show video footage of him walking into the PC. If I haven't mentioned it already, I think the, the look of the PC and... Uh, I don't... I can't really put it into words properly. The wrestlers... You can tell. I've always, I've always said in a match uh, uh, that a wrestling match is always more fun when you can tell the wrestlers are having fun. It's always more meaningful, even if it's a, even if it's a big, tough, serious uh, storyline, big, tough, serious feud. You can always enjoy the match more when you can tell the wrestlers are having fun. There's a different kind of thing seeing the wrestlers performing in the PC. It's not something you can tangibly put your finger on, but. Uh, but it was there, and it was different, and it did give the show a bit of a different feel. And it and and I say that for the positive. Uh, we see some glitchy stuff, which is apparently leading to Killer Cross again down in the box below. Tell me what I need to know about Killer Cross, because I don't know anything about Killer Cross other than apparently he's got a hot valet girlfriend, wife, something or other. Kushida versus Raúl Mendoza. Now. I don't have much to say about Raul Mendoza. Apparently, he's been doing good things on 205 Live, which nobody watches. Kushida, I like. This match had a pace to it that was weird. And I didn't even t really take notes on it because I couldn't get over... It was very much, you do a move. Okay, now I'll do a move. Now now it's your turn. You you do a move, and, and I'll do a move, and whatever. Now, what broke that was the ending, which was Kushida um, snapping... Kushida snapping Raul Mendoza off of the top turnbuckle with a cross arm breaker that eventually ended up with a submission win. Now, I like Kushida. I think Kushida's awesome. I think this was not the proper... This was not a great showcase of what I like from Kushida, and it wasn't the type of showcase that was going to get me to like Raul Mendoza. It was just... It was just there until I went on Twitter... And there were people that are much more familiar with Kushida than I am, obviously, talking about, you know, his cruiserweight attributes and, and what he could bring to the division and whatever. And although they're talking about the cruiserweight division, I didn't think of the cruiserweight champion, which is which is a bit odd. Kushida versus Devlin is something that I would love to see. It is really it is really something I would love to see on uh, on TakeOver. I don't think it's going to fit on the TakeOver because I really think NXT is using the Cruiserweight Championship as sort of a TV title, as sort of a, uh, a special feature for week-to-week -week television, because they haven't featured it properly, other than on Worlds Collide, which I don't really count because it wasn't a takeover. They've been pretty clear that Worlds Collide is going to be its own brand of show, uh, which is fine. I, I look forward to more of those. It puts more spotlight on the UK division. It, hell, it got us Jordan Devlin as a champion. Um... But they need to take a big takeover, like the one coming up WrestleMania weekend, and they need to feature that Cruiserweight Championship. Now, going back to what I said a second ago, if featuring that Cruiserweight Championship means that we're going to get a multi-man for the Cruiserweight title, I don't mind that. Get a couple guys that you haven't used in a while. Throw Tyler Breeze in there. Throw Swerve in there. Throw uh, Leo Rush if he if he's well and whatever that's another thing i wanted to mention and i didn't really write it down and i just made myself think of it just now which is bear with me it's that kind of night uh the leo rush thing leo rush um when he came back to nxt was coming off the back of some really bad mental health stuff i didn't really dig deep into it because i don't want grisly details of somebody else's suffering just to know that somebody is suffering with that kind of thing that i can't really wrap my head around because i don't have experience with those type of things is enough for me to extend sympathy for it but he put out something on twitter the other day and i meant i meant to grab a screen cap of it and i didn't basically it was him talking about what his depression is like what it feels like all the different emotions all the different uh all the different sort of stages of it and ways he, that he could explain it and whatever. And he sort of capped it off with, you know, these things are really hard to talk about. And I know that I find them really hard to talk about. So I know other people find them really hard to talk about. So I'm putting this out there in the hopes that other people will do the same. And I'm not saying that that's a reason on its own to like Leo Rush. But that's kind of a reason on its own to like Leo Rush. So much like Mauro Ranallo being a very Vulcan... A very, sorry, very vocal, outspoken, uh, you know, he did the, um, he did the special, or it, was it a book or a, or a feature or whatever, the bipolar rock and roller thing a while ago that was apparently received really well. I haven't seen it, uh, I, I won't lie, but go check, uh, go check that out. I will do the same at some point. But if more people that are dealing with those things that I can't really speak intelligently about start speaking out more, it's gotta help people. It's got to help people to say, like, look, this big, 
gigantic superstar that so many people love and so many people pay money to see and so many people sit in the front row and cheer for um, can have those kind of issues. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm not such an outcast for having those feelings myself. I'm really speaking unintelligently about a topic that I don't know a lot about, but it was really, it was a really good thing to see somebody say, hey, I'm dealing with this. If you're dealing with this too, that's okay. And that's really good. On another note, on a much more happier note, I want to I want to throw uh, you know do a little bit of Spaz Phoenix Bingo and bring up uh, Destiny Wrestling for a second. Destiny Wrestling has a show called Bad Intentions coming up in about a week and a half. If you haven't seen my short little videos that are leading up into that and the match that was just announced as the as the main event. Now I've said before, Destiny has the unique position of having working relationships with WWE, with NXT, NXT UK, ROH, AEW, and Impact. Like, right now, their Destiny World Champion is uh, Josh Alexander, who I know as a Destiny guy, but I know he's also on Impact as one half of the Impact Tag Team Champions. So now you've got a really cool champion versus champion thing here, because the Impact Tag Champion, Josh Alexander, is defending his Destiny World title against, get this, NXT Cruiserweight Champion Jordan Devlin. So I... We'll be seeing Jordan Devlin live front row at the Don Kolov in about a week and a half taking on Josh Alexander for their world title, and that's really, really good. Now, once we get that out of the way and uh, get back to NXT people doing NXT things, I would not mind at all seeing Kushida versus Jordan Devlin. I hope they give it the spotlight that it deserves. I hope if it's not on a takeover, it's on as the main event of whatever episode of NXT is either before or after that. But that's me rambling a whole bunch. We replay Rhea Ripley showing up on Raw and basically clocking Charlotte Flair for talking too much, and that made me smile. Backstage, we see Tyler Breeze being interviewed by one of the practice rings, talking about what the PC means to him, and he's confronted by Austin Theory, who says, you know, he's a, he's a big fan of uh, Tyler Breeze, you know, the, the NXT OG, as, as they've dubbed him now, which I don't really like too much, and his compliments slowly turn to criticism. It's like, hey, this, this place makes superstars, but it can also make megastars, but I guess not everybody, eh? And, and Tyler Breeze pulls out the phone, and I thought, don't, don't, this is not where you lean into the Prince Pretty thing, just don't just do a selfie and walk away, but instead he holds up the phone and he just takes a very simple picture of Austin Theory, he says, really, are, are you, are you just take, did you just take a picture of me? And I thought, you know, the disgust on his face was like, the way he was like disgusted to mask his confusion was a really, really good take. But also he's like, yeah, yeah see, look, it's, it's not a bad picture. Here it is. You, you look pretty good. You look pretty good for a flash in the pan. And then he just walks off. So at some point, at some point, we're getting Austin Theory versus uh, Tyler Breeze, which I don't mind in the slightest. Now, Rhea Ripley came out and, and said, here's the thing. Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair is huge at WrestleMania for a lot of reasons. Charlotte, whether you like her or not, is one of the best women that WWE has. I know there are some stands out there for, for you know, Bailey and, and Sasha, and I'm here representing the Becky Lynch stands. It's fine. Paige is coming back on SmackDown on Friday. Does that mean she's coming back into the ring? Beat the crap out of Sasha and Bailey? I hope so. Probably not. Um... You know, Naomi, oh my god, Naomi's an athlete. Being an athlete doesn't make you a wrestler. It's fine. <sighs> they haven't been given anything decent to say since this started. I love that this match is happening. I love that the WWE knows, as I've said a hundred times, the NXT women's division is something they can beat AEW over the head with. I, I like it. I like the fact that this is the first NXT championship to be defended at WrestleMania. I like the fact that the first NXT championship to be defended at WrestleMania is the women's title. I think that's awesome. I think the person that they've chosen to do that, being Rhea Ripley, is extra fucking amazing. What did I say about <coughs> Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm when they were in the Mae Young Classic and when they transitioned to NXT UK? They're both fucking stars. Now, nobody else has gotten the memo yet about... Uh, Tony Storm, which is why I'm thinking they haven't featured her on NXT proper in a while, but Rhea Ripley is a fucking star. Full stop. And the, the video package that they did last week, that, that Charlotte made fun of this week, where she's standing in the empty stadium where it's about to be, you know, about to be her big moment, about to be the biggest match of her career, etc. That was awesome. But scripting her against Charlotte is just, 
is just it's just weird and it comes off badly charlotte comes out and her charlotte's one note charlotte legitimately is one of the female faces that built nxt and i will not take that away from the charlotte the person but it's her only note when she's cutting a promo, which is which is frustrating. Uh, she's I made this place, I made this PC. You guys are all cheering for me. If I if I because the crowd the whole time wasn't having any of this, which I thought was great. And the whole time she was talking, they were screaming "Go back to Raw" at her, and she responded with, and I thought this was kind of brilliant. She responded with, "If I go back to Raw, who are you going to scream these things at?" Which I thought was great. She goes into this thing about how, Rhea, I'll give you this, you've got guts, but this is WrestleMania, it's too much too soon, and I'm too much for you to handle. I'm going to drown the, the fastest rising star in WWE. And as soon as she said drown, I was like, don't go the metaphor. I know it's a pirate theme, WrestleMania, don't say you're going to throw her off the plank or some bullshit like that. They didn't do that. It's fine. They didn't go the AEW route of turning two of their wrestlers into pirates. It's fine. But they brawl for a while and Rhea gets her leg worked over around the posts obviously telling the story that we're going to go for the figure eight eventually now Charlotte trying to wrestle in heels is awkward every single time so let's not do that I don't want to see these two lay their hands on each other again until Wrestlemania I know that's a, that's a popular thing to say for a lot of feuds for a lot of firsts or whatever but um it's just true it just makes sense and uh I I hate that I don't have much to say about this because, A, you guys are watching me. I think you guys want me to say something. But also, I should have something to say about this. But I, I said everything I needed to say when it was announced. Like, obviously, they're going to do this big thing. It's going to be a big boost for NXT. It's going to be a big boost for that women's division. It's going to be an awesome match for the WrestleMania card. Side note again, now that I'm tangenting all over the place tonight, because that's the kind of night I'm having, um, if all the titles are defended at WrestleMania... It is going to be, and I'm not taking this from an SJW perspective, I'm taking this from the perspective of if you've been watching this channel for any length of time, you know I'm a huge advocate of women's wrestling when it's done properly and when it's not too politicized. And uh, there's going to be five women's matches at WrestleMania. There's going to be five women's matches at WrestleMania. There's going to be Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. There's going to be Becky versus Shayna Baszler, which needs to fix itself in its own right. There's going to be Bailey versus somebody. I'm really hoping against hope that somehow Paige is actually cleared and that's why she's coming. I really hope the rumor of it being Nia Jax isn't true. Can we just not, like, risk injuring more people? Um, the tag titles will do something. I've heard rumors of the Divas of Doom coming back for one night. I've heard rumors of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross getting their well-deserved title shot. Nothing about the Iconics, much to the dismay of Adam Wilborn. Um, but that might be a triple threat match that we could do. We are also doing the Women's Battle Royal again. So potentially five women's matches at WrestleMania. I was going to say five women's title matches. I guess if you want to call the Battle Royal Trophy a title, then it's technically five women's title matches at WrestleMania, and I think that's kind of badass. They could, they could go the extra mile, and and put the NXT UK Women's Title on there. See, what I think was really cool before before we announced that we were doing this ladder match, which I'm very excited about. I thought it would be kind of cool since the NXT title is going to be represented at WrestleMania, you could represent the NXT UK title in a match at TakeOver. And I think that everybody gets to take one step up, if that makes sense. But I don't know what's going on in NXT UK. I keep telling you guys that I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at it. But uh, I just I, I just haven't had the time. And especially, as I say, the past couple of weeks with uh, work kicking my ass, I haven't. no more time has grown in the space where no time was before. I may have to watch it tomorrow night, though. As we switch gears, because we saw a video package on Walter and Balor next, and uh, and uh, basically it was you know big hype package for Walter and and being voiced over by Finn Balor and saying a bunch of really really threatening things. And the last frame uh, of this particular video is um, Balor saying lies spread faster than the truth, and he's just holding up his passport. Later on in the night, we find out that tomorrow night, technically tonight when you're watching this, uh, Finn Balor is going to be on NXT UK. So I guess for the purposes of following NXT, I have to follow NXT UK at least next week because Balor-Walter is is a weirdly interesting match, is it not? I'm not going to go through what they said in the video package because it's a... It's 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 a WWE video package. They're great. If, if, if nothing else, if they can't... 
write a promo, if they can't put a story together, if they can't give us a good match, you, you will always get a good video package from WWE. Now, I want to break from what I usually talk about on these particular reviews, talk about something really, really mundane for a second. Now, I'm in Canada. We do not get the USA Network in Canada. We do not have NXT playing on any normal channels up here in Canada. We get a condensed version of it that goes on Friday before SmackDown, which is a really shit deal. And Sportsnet 360, you need to fix that. But So I have to watch it on an American stream, which means I can't pause it. I can't fast forward through the commercials. I can't do shit. Which means I couldn't skip by a really, really bad CarMax commercial with Mojo Rawley. Go look it up if you haven't seen the Mojo Raleigh CarMax commercial. It's fucking terrible. Oh, yes. Tegan Knox versus... Nope, not yet. Skipped ahead in my notes. We see in the back Mia Yim getting interviewed. She's hyped up about her win. She's hyped up about qualifying for the for the ladder match. And then in the background... Now, now somebody that watches NXT can, can has, to, has to go into the... What is it? The... the chat thing over here because I'll be watching. Did I imagine this? Did I hallucinate this? Did somebody put some actual coke in my coke? Because what we saw was Raul Mendoza leaving the performance center and getting kidnapped by two luchadors into a van. Anybody? Anybody? We, we, we saw somebody get kidnapped on sort of live TV. I really wish he'd been in a match that I cared about so that I could care that he just got kidnapped in the parking lot. I... I there's nothing. I, I have... He got kidnapped in the parking lot. There, there's nothing. Masked guys just went and took him. They're gonna make, make Lucha great again. That's terrible. I should probably take that out, but I'm not going to. Now, we move on to Tegan Knox versus, versus Deanna Perrazzo. Qualifying match for the ladder match at TakeOver. Uh, Diana Prazo is one we don't see very often. She she every time she comes out, they hype up how impressive she was in the Mae Young Classic, which sounds great until it sounds like you're damning her with feigned praise because the Mae Young Classic was a long time ago, and what you're secretly telling your audience is she hasn't done anything since then. Now, I would say that she would have a clear shot to something if they hadn't broken up the tag team because apparently before the Robert Stone brand thing came along, her and Chelsea Green were a tag team, were they not? And I wouldn't, I mean, they're not the greatest team in the world, obviously, but I wouldn't mind them having a go at the Kabuki Warriors. They'd die. But then again, the Kabuki Warriors' whole gimmick now is they just come out and yell and get their asses kicked by Shayna Baszler. Moving on. Uh, two weeks ago on Raw, I'm just going to say this. Two weeks ago on Raw, Kyrie Zane and Shayna Baszler. Now that's that's something that goes back to the Mae Young Classic. That that's a storyline that ran right through the NXT Championship. How did that get a boring chant on Raw? And I'm not blaming the crowd because they weren't wrong. How how is a debuting Shayna Baszler reuniting with an old rival in Kyrie Sane boring? How did they manage to do that? How did Raw man Raw with okay, Raw has the spider though? So I, I, I don't know why I'm asking these questions, but but they have an effect, don't they? Remember when the remember when the Wyatt family was good? Now you got Rowan with the cage and the spider, and nobody liked the spider, so they sent Drew McIntyre out to smash the spider. Fuck me on that. I mean, Kabuki Warriors are awesome, but how do you make Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane boring? How how does that how does that happen? How watch. I, another person I'm going to sell, tell you to go check out is uh, Simon Miller from What Culture. He does the ups and downs thing. It, it's fine. His reaction to, to the spider thing was, was fucking great. I laughed my ass off because that's the kind of thing we expect from, from wrestling nowadays. It's, it's, I, I laughed at that the same way I laughed at work when I heard that Goldberg had won the Universal title. It's like, well, of course he did. Like, it's not NXT. Like, you wanted good stuff. You should be watching on Wednesday night. The numbers for NXT, why? Why are things buzzing now? I got my phone going off. I can't lose my place in my own notes. My phone is going off. The the, the Siri thing, something's buzzing behind me. It's fine. The spider. The spider and, and a boring Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler match. I don't know. 
You know what's not boring? Tegan Knox, Deanna Prazo. I like Tegan Knox. I really, really do. This was a really short match, though. Colorado uh, Perrazzo works on the arm for a long time because she's the virtuosa of the Fujiwara armbar. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, and I'm sorry. Forearms by Knox, arm drag takedown by Perrazzo, modified cradle suplex by Perrazzo, mud hole stomps by Perrazzo, corner chops and an uppercut by Knox, the cannon bore by Knox. And I like that. I like that she's got stuff. She constantly pays tribute to the people that have inspired her. The fact that she does the choke. She her, she likes Kane. So this girl who is athletic as fuck and hot as fuck and I, I wouldn't say no but she's not huge she's trying to do the choke slam which I think is really cool she did the top rope choke oh that's the other thing I didn't mention she did the top rope choke slam in the cage that was fucking awesome but then apparently she was also trained by wild boar who you would know if anybody watched NXT UK the tag team of uh, wild boar and primate are pretty fun to watch especially when they team up with Dave Mastiff so when she does the cannonball in the corner, she calls it the cannon bore. That's fucking awesome. Bicycle kick by Diana Perrazzo. Fujiwara armbar by Perrazzo. Now, to have her go do the Fujiwara armbar after they've put her up as, like, I think uh, Beth Phoenix on commentary said, Picasso does with paint what Perrazzo does with the Fujiwara armbar. To have Knox then just get out of it with a pin attempt and then hit the shiniest wizard and get the win kind of shoots that in the foot. But, I mean, they're pushing Knox right now, and that's that's fine by me. Knox goes on to take over to join Chelsea Green and Mia Yim in that ladder match. We've got three more people to be named. I'm sure I'm sure we're going to name two more people, and then all the losers are going to have, like, a battle royal for the last spot, like a last chance battle royal. They really, they play that kind of thing up really well on, and it's not like... Street Profits on Raw. Let's talk about something else that Raw has ruined. They've ruined the Street Profits, have they not? Street Profits are the Raw Tag Team Champions. They are the Tag Team Champions on what used to be the flagship show, uh, and I couldn't care less. Who could have said that like a year ago? You would want these guys to have all the tag titles, but nope, 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 nope. That's fine. But they, they went to Saudi Arabia, and they lost, and then they had the last chance the next night on Raw, and they won the titles, and it was like, meh. As soon as you put last chance on it, then you knew you were going to win. But NXT has done this thing quite a bit. When there's qualifying matches for something, they get, if you need six, like they're doing for this ladder match, you get your five, and then all the losers have like the last chance battle royal, which I think is really good. And if they do that, you know who it should be. It should be Shotzi Blackheart. Oh, yes. Um lost my place again because it's just that kind of day. More glitchy stuff, more Killer Cross. Somebody, once again, once again, tell me about Killer Cross. I, I don't know. Fish and O'Reilly versus the Broserweights was weird. This was a title match as well. We bookended the show with title matches, which is fine. But Fish and O'Reilly come out there to the ring. All the Undisputed Era are there. But we hear the Dreams music next. And the Dream was on the balcony, just like they have the balcony at Full Sail. They had the balcony at the Performance Center, which is fine. Um... He talks about his big grand master plan, and he's like, do you really think I cared about Roderick Strong? Do you really think I'm a creepy guy that's going to go after somebody's family? Hey, Roderick, they're just tights with faces on them, which popped me. Fucking huge. I love when wrestling takes the piss out of itself. Like, something we take so seriously, so seriously, so seriously, and then it's a spider. In this case, it, dude, they're just pants with pictures on them. It's fine. Um... They go on to say that next week's going to be the celebration of Adam Cole being the longest reigning champion ever. Gee, I wonder if, if the Velveteen Dream is going to attack him. Now, here's the thing. This was a cool match. This was a cool title match for the tag titles. You knew that they weren't going to go back to the Undisputed Era because the Undisputed Era are on the downward spiral. Um, my stream, going back to my issues of not having a proper channel to watch NXT on, on Wednesday nights and having to go through the illegal stream going through uh, watch wrestling 24 if you're watching me and you're in Canada or you're in any other places where they don't have a channel that's showing NXT on the night go to watchwrestling24.net and you will find it but it, it is what it is so there are big parts of this match that are missing there are big parts of this match that are missing so I'm gonna tell you where the where the thing came out where it came back in and we're going to go from there. Fish and Riddle start the match. Takedown and a body scissor by Riddle and a front slam. Gut wrench suplex by Riddle and a tandem, uh, sorry, tandem suplexes by Riddle and done.
feed cuts out for the first time. Feed knows when to come back in, though, because we see Matt Riddle with Say It Loud and Say It Proud, the Daniel Bryan Silly Kicks. Oh, yes. Boot off the apron by Fish and body shots by Fish on the outside. Knee strikes in the corner by Fish once they get back in the ring. Series of strikes by O'Reilly as he tags out and they double team in the corner. Snap suplex by Fish as I lose the stream again we come back we get the stream back finally and there's an xbox by done followed by a triangle choke tope suicida by riddle uh fake out super they do this cool thing because they throw adam cole in the ring adam cole's not getting involved they throw him into the ring one of them slaps their leg i think it was pete dunn to act like adam cole had just came in and super kicked them and with that strong and cole get tossed out that was fucking great doing a bit of like eddie guerrero lie cheat steal why is that guy holding my boot it's fine. Uh, corner attack. Uh, so yeah, I can speak, I swear. Corner attack and a boot by O'Reilly. They trade some shots with Dunn. Knee strikes to the back by Dunn. Kicks from both men to Riddle. Exploders for both men. Sintons by both men. Penalty kicks by, bo penalty kicks by both men. And a cradle suplex pin attempt. All by Riddle. Stereo kicks by the Broserweights and a Tiger Driver by Riddle. Insiguri by Dunn. Lariat by O'Reilly. Knee strike by Riddle and a back suplex. And the Grizzled Young Veterans come down to the ramp because they want to join the fun. There's a cheap shot by the Grizzled Young Veterans and there's leads to another near fall. But another quick, they sort of struggle. They throw O'Reilly, or no, they throw Fish out of the ring onto the Grizzled Young Veterans. They hit this double running knee thing in the corner almost on O'Reilly to get a quick win and then like move on to whatever their next concern is. But their next concern is just celebrating in the ring because the Grizzled Young Veterans, even though they wanted to get involved, don't actually jump in and get involved. And for once in wrestling, there isn't the post-match assault. Even the Undisputed Era sort of like slink away into nothing, sort of symbolizing that they're out of this race now and leading to what we think is coming on uh, next down the line. We get a couple of announcements, and it's there's like five minutes left in the show, so it's like, gee, I wonder if NXT is going to do an overrun this week, and they definitely did. Uh, the next qualifier for this NXT ladder match is one that I can't call. It's happening next week, presumably back in full sale. Does anybody know? Let me know down in the box below. But it's going to be Mercedes Martinez versus Candice LeRae. That's going to be a fun match. Also, um, they sort of confirm that Balor is due to show up on NXT UK tomorrow, which has been pre-taped. So when I'm done recording this, I'm just going to go see what happened. Maybe I don't have to watch, which is bad because I should be watching. I'm, you know, there's going to be a Worlds Collide coming up and I'm not going to know what's happening again. It's fine. But what did we forget? That was the main event. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it the main event? No, it wasn't. Ciampa comes out uh, calling out Gargano. Gargano said in his, uh, the other thing, this is the other thing I forgot. That interview that he did with Moro Ronaldo was fucking awesome. I know there's a lot of people that don't like the way they use Moro Ronaldo. Moro Ronaldo, as we've talked about before when I was talking about the Leo Rush thing, and it should be taken seriously, don't get me wrong. The fact that he is somebody that has his own uh, you know, insecurities based on those mental health issues, for him to be the one that says, basically, you know, I can't, ha I can't handle this, I need to leave... <sighs> Is it using his condition to further a storyline? Maybe. Maybe. But if he's okay with it, and obviously he is okay with it because I don't think they, they would have gotten away with it if he wasn't. If he's okay with it and he's lending he's lending himself to that, he gave himself to that interview, then I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, you come along to a uh, really dumb example, but the Ruby Riot and Natalia feud from a while ago when they put uh, dead Jim Neidhart on the table and whatever. People were like, oh my God, how's that? That's so disrespectful, right, right, right. It's like, if the people, if the family involved is okay with it, I cannot say, hey, they they seem to be okay with it, but I think they shouldn't be okay with it. It's, it's a tough call. I want to be clear. I know, I get why other people are made uneasy by it, but the at the end of the day, the whole reason they did it was to make you uneasy because the situation was supposed to play out uneasy. I really, I really liked it. Uh, it was a little bit different to have them sit down in the 